Hey, we started a series last week uh, that we're going to continue today called Unshakable. And the idea is this, that every single one of us have experienced times in our lives where our world has been shaken. Uh, in fact, here we are on September 11th. And some of us are old enough. Every year we get older and older, don't we? <laughs> to remember back in 2001 where literally our world was shaken. But it doesn't have to be like macro level, like huge worldwide events. Sometimes our world is shaken in small ways and sometimes even ways that we can't even, like, like we're grieving and the people around us are like, why are you grieving that? Like that's really not that big of a deal. But for us, it's a big deal. And so we started looking at 1 Thessalonians, a letter that Paul wrote, and we'll unpack that a little bit more. Last week we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so I encourage you to find that if you have a paper Bible, you can look that up. It's in the T section of the New Testament. So 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, they're all in alphabetical order. Paul did that on purpose so that you'd be able to find those books easier. If you're using an app on your phone, uh, you, we'll give you plenty of time to be able to find that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we talked last week about how Paul is writing this letter around A.D. 51, so for context, this is about 20 years after Jesus' death and his resurrection and uh, his ascension, and Paul is writing to a group of people that he has a personal relationship with. He had been to Thessalonica, he had, he had um, preached the gospel, the message of Jesus, that Jesus is the son of God, came to this earth to take upon himself our punishment and the curse of our sin when he died on the cross, and that Jesus is resurrected from the grave, the only religious leader who has ever resurrected from the grave, and that he is the Messiah, and that if you put your hope in him, that he will forgive you of your sins and that he will lead your life if you allow him to. And, and, and many, not only Jews, began to believe this message, but God-fearing Greek people began believing this message. And, and a church was born in Thessalonica. Remember last week we had the apple tree standing here and how, how Paul planted this church. But he was only with them for a matter of several weeks and then because of persecution, he had, to, he had to leave. He had to flee for his life. And so he, he's wondering, man, I wonder how things are going in Thessalonica. And so he sends his protege, a young pastor named Timothy, to check on them. And Timothy is there with them for a while. And Timothy is exhorting them and coaching them and helping them to grow in their faith in Christ. And Timothy goes back to Paul. Are you still following me? I know this is kind of a long deal. I need like a timeline here behind me. But Timothy goes back to Paul and he says, you'll never believe it. Like they're still following Jesus. Like there's fruit from their lives. And Paul is so ecstatic. And so he writes this letter to let them know how proud of them he is and to encourage them and to coach them in following Jesus. And last week we looked at, he talks about troubles, you know, that we're going to experience times where our world is going to be shaken, we're going to experience trouble, and we learned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 that when trouble comes, when, when our world is shaken, we need three things. Do you guys remember these? We need partnerships. In other words, when your world is shaken, you need people that you can go to, mature, godly followers of Jesus, that you can call in the middle of the night and say, just pray for me, I, I just need prayer. And we talked about last week that you don't develop those relationships at the moment that your world is shaken. You develop those relationships before your world is shaken, right? 
So you have that person to go to. And, and I mentioned life groups. And we got, a, in fact, a new women's life group is starting this Tuesday. We've now got have kids ministry on Tuesdays from three years old to fifth grade. And we have some great opportunities for you to get involved. We have several uh, great men's groups that you can get involved in. All of that you can find on the Church Center app or you can go to our website. But you need partnerships. When your world is shaken, you don't want to try to be going through it on your own. You need godly, mature people who will not only encourage you, but sometimes will challenge you. Because sometimes our world is shaken because of us. <laughs> sometimes my world is shaken because of me. And I'm shaking my fist at heaven and God is saying, dude, I didn't have anything to do with this. You're the knucklehead, right? I need, I need people in my corner, people who, who love me enough to speak truth, speak the truth of God's word to me. Last week we talked about when our world is shaken, not only do we need partnerships, but we need perspective. To understand, Paul says, listen, trouble's a part of the deal. Especially as you follow Jesus. Trouble is part of the deal. So this teaching that if you follow Jesus, now your life is going to be cupcakes and unicorns and that God has come to be this cosmic band-aid who takes away all of your ouchies and boo-boos, you know, that, 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 that's not the case. That in this world we will have trouble. But we can take heart. And Paul says, man, you need to have some perspective here. And then finally, we looked at the fact that we need protection because it's when we're going through troubles, when our world is shaken, that, man, the enemy comes in and he knows those moments. We talked about last week, those moments when we're hungry and angry and lonely and tired and the enemy comes in and he lies to us, right? Because that's his main operate, uh, operation of, of, of tearing down the kingdom of God is through lies. He lies to us about ourselves and lies to us about God and lies to us about each other. And so this morning, I want to I move forward into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and, and we're going to look at the fact that when our world is shaken, sometimes that sifting unveils things within us that we didn't even know was in us. Have you ever had a moment where, you, I mean, your, your life is, I mean, you're just going along, everything, everything is beautiful, right? And I mean, everything's going hunky-dory and great. I'm really dating myself with all these words. And, 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 and then you, you hit, like, I mean, just out of, out of nowhere, like that shaking happens, and you react in a way that you go, oh, I didn't know that was in me. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. Like there's, there's ugly coming out of you and the people around you. And here's what you want to do. You instinctively want to say, oh, that's not me. Right? But it is because Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so sometimes when our world is shaken, there's in that sifting, there's things that come out and we go, oh, I didn't know that that was in me. Paul is going to talk about an important aspect of following Jesus that we don't talk about enough in the church. And it's the issue of holiness. The holiness matters. Holiness matters. So, so let me take you back to Thessalonica. Thessalonica is this, I mean this isn't some little burg. Thessalonica is this major capital city of a region called Macedonia, a huge part of the Roman Empire, and it's this port city. In fact, we, we, you can see right, can you see where Thessalonica is? All the way up at the top left, there's Thessalonica, and it's right on this important port. It was economically, I mean, they were, they were just rolling in the dough because this was a port city, and it's a thriving city. It's a growing city. Uh, archaeologists believe that at this point, it was a city of about 200,000 people. 
Today, Thessalonica is in modern-day Greece, and it's the second largest city in all of Greece. I mean, and it's got several million people that are part of this area today, the metropolitan area. But, but this is one of the first times in civilization, the first times in world history, where people begin to leave the place where they were born. So before this time, before the Roman Empire, you would be born in a place, you would live in a place, and you would die in that place, and you would rarely even go, you know, maybe, maybe 10, 15 miles outside the place where you were born, like your whole life. Can you imagine? And so now, because of the Roman Empire, the road systems, have you ever heard all roads lead to Rome? Like, like the road systems, because it's now safer to travel, and, it's, and there's more technological availability to, to travel because of the road systems. Now people are, especially young adults, you know, when they get that angst, that time where, man, I don't want to live with mom and dad anymore, and, and I used to think that they were smart, but now they're stupid, and, and all this. Like, you, you get in this place, and Thessalonica became a destination, especially for young adults to say, hey, I'm leaving my ancestral hometown and I'm going to go to this place that's booming and I'm just going to give it a roll and give it a try. And Thessalonica has become ripe. I mean, I mean, economically, the materialism, like anything that you would want in the ancient world was available there. But not only like materially, sexually, like anything you want. You could find in Thessalonica. And because of the idol worship and because of the pagan temples, the sexual perversion was actually tied to idol worship. And so there would be, like you would go to a temple, this would be a pagan idol temple, and, and there would be prostitution that would happen right there in the temple. And it was enough to make us in 2022, if you can imagine this, the sexual deviation in that time is enough to even make us in 2022 blush. You go, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> The prostitution wouldn't just be men and women, it would be young adolescent men and women. And this would just be acceptable. Every, I mean, this is just what you did. This was normal. This was a, there was no one picketing. There was nobody boycotting. Like this is, this is just the reality in the Roman Empire of how people live their life. So Paul, Paul preaches the gospel and these people become followers of Jesus. And now Paul has to coach them into how they live. He says, you can't, you can't live like everybody else lives. Like we as followers of Jesus live differently. So, so do you get the angst? Do you get the, like the stress point that's going on here? So we're going to look at, uh, beginning with verse 1. Everybody there now? I've talked, I've rambled for so long. You're like, yeah, I was there 15 minutes ago to chant. He says this. He says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Man, I could, I could talk about this for a while, but basically in the Greek and to this audience, this was strong language. Like he's, he's been writing, he's been writing, he's been writing, and now he gets to this point in the letter, I urge you, and this, it's not just I urge you, I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is like, hey, warning lights, like pay attention. If you're, if you're nodding off during the earlier part of the letter, like this is the part you need to pay attention to. I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. Now this is a new thought for them. Because they are used to living in a way that pleases me. I want it, I'm gonna get it. I deserve it. I, I have a hunger for something, I have an appetite for something, I'm gonna fill that appetite, I'm gonna fill that craving no matter what. And Paul says, no, 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 you don't belong to yourself anymore. Jesus, he died for you and he bought you back from sin at a great price. So now instead of living your life through the filter of what do I want, I'm gonna to begin to live my life through the filter of God, what do you want? 
He says, he says, you need to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. So he's already taught them, and he's saying we because this is from Timothy as well who had been in Thessalonica. So he goes, hey, we've been teaching you guys this. And then I love his encouragement here. He says, you live this way already. So he's saying, hey, you guys, you guys are getting this, but, but yet there's more. He says, and we encourage you to do so even more. Like, the sanctification, here, here's what Paul understood. None of us have arrived. In fact, if you're sitting in here and you're going, no, Ken, I, I think I'm pretty holy. I think I got this holiness thing down. You're probably skipping a whole segment of, like, pride. <laughs> right? So he says, you, you, you guys are doing good at this, but I just want to encourage you to realize holiness is this journey that we are all on, Right? Do so even more. Don't, don't lose focus of this. He says, for you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And now he's going to give us. He goes, we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And then here's a statement. God's will, and I'm just going to pause before we put up the next screen. God's will. So many followers of Jesus are walking around going, what is God's will? What is God's purpose for my life? And Paul is going to answer to a degree what God wants for you, what God wants for me, what God's will is. He says, God's will is for you to be holy. There's that word. Now, holy is an interesting word because depending on how long you've been a Christian and what type of churches you've been in, some of us react differently to the word holy. Some of you are like, yeah, holy, that's great. And then some of you have like a little, like, uh, PTSD over the word holy. So, some of you grew up in churches. I remember holy was like this word for basically legalism. It was like a huge long list of man-made rules that you couldn't even find in the Bible. But in order to be holy, this is what you had to do. Right? You don't smoke. You don't chew. You don't go with girls who do. I remember the first time me and my, some of my friends were playing euchre. There's no money involved, no cash. We're just playing euchre, friendly euchre. And this leader of the church, this elder of the church comes walking in. And I thought his face was going to blow off his like, body. He was so angry. How dare you play cards? Playing cards in the house of the Lord? Like, where, where is that in the Bible? Right? You don't go to movie theaters, you're not allowed to go to bowling alleys, women, you can't wear pants, you've got, you know, I mean, it was this whole long list. None of it was found in the Bible. The cartoons that you could watch, the cartoons that you couldn't watch, I mean, this is before, like, there was bad cartoons. <laughs> okay? Now I know there's probably some cartoons you probably should stay away from, right? But I mean, like, and so some of you, when you hear these words, you know, uh, uh, God's will is for you to be holy. Oh, I know. See, here's what the enemy does. The enemy takes what is good and perfect, and he tries to twist it so that we think it's something different. So we go, well, I don't want anything to do with holiness. So now, church, we are in a generation in the American church where the pendulum has swung the opposite direction, and we don't talk about holiness because of the PTSD from the 80s and 90s and the... In the American church, and so we don't talk about holiness, and so now the church is like, grace, I can live any way I want. There's no repercussions. I can do whatever I want. There's forgiveness, and so now the pendulum is swung in the other way, and, and Paul is saying, listen, 
God's will for you, his purpose for you, is to be holy. So what does holy mean? Holy simply means separate. Holy is the opposite of ordinary. God is holy. I mean, that's really the first thing you need to understand about holiness is that God is holy. He is completely separate and completely unlike everything and everyone else. I mean, we have some wisdom, hopefully. I say we as if I'm, I'm hope this is a faith statement. We, we collect, we have some wisdom. But can I tell you, our wisdom is nothing like God's wisdom. We have some power and ability and strength. It's nothing like God's ability. We can create things. My wife is one of the most creative people I know, but she can't speak galaxies into existence. God is complete. Holy is this idea, completely other. Taken from the ordinary and made separate for the purposes of God. Right? In fact, God is described in the Old Testament, God is described as holy more than any other description combined. He, he wants us to know that he is holy. Isaiah repeatedly calls, him, calls God the Holy One of Israel. The seraphim, which are these angelic beings that surround the throne of God in heaven, the Bible says in several different places in Scripture, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that the seraphim all day long are crying out, Holy, 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 right? So when God says, hey, this is my purpose for you, this is my will for you, is that you be holy, what he's saying is, I want you to be like me. I don't want you to live like everybody else. Everybody else is broken. I don't want you to take your cues regarding relationships and marriage and parenting and finances and sexuality and all these things. I don't want you following the standards of the world because in every category that I just listed, the world's broken. So don't be like them. Don't be like them. I want you to flourish. I want you to live blessed. I want you to, to be fruitful in your life. And if you, will, if you will be separate unto me, if you will live a life that pleases me, man, you can't even imagine what I have for you. Look at verse three. So now he's gonna give an example. He says, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Why does Paul single out sexual sin? There's so many, especially in Thessalonica, we talked about the materialism. He could have riffed about the materialism and greed and all this kind of stuff. No, he, he, he chooses to single out sexuality because it's the area where so many believers struggled in that culture. Can you imagine a culture where prostitution and adultery and sex outside of marriage was like pervasive? We can't, right? Like, no, in fact, our, our culture is say, says, you know what, I'll, we'll take it to the next level, right? The pornography issue that, that we're dealing with in the American culture right now is, is crazy. And the reason why is because it's not your grandfather's pornography. We're not talking about a couple of images that are in a magazine that come to your house once a month. We're talking about video images that are unlimited that you can watch 24-7. And it's addictive and it's purposefully addictive. It's designed to be addictive. 
And science now tells us that when they study people's brains while they're watching pornography, that a whole section of the brain, it's like crack cocaine. The dopamine that's being released. And so then people who are addicted to pornography come into the church and, and they look around and there's all these happy faces. They're all put together and man, I'm not going to tell anybody about my issue here. And on top of that, we have culture who says, well, every, you're a, you're a red-blooded American male. Of course, of course you, you, you look at porn. You'd be weird if you didn't. All, all these issues that are going on. I had a young man, uh, got to really be careful of details. Young man, he, he doesn't go to our church, so you wouldn't know him. And uh, he's sitting across from my desk and he's telling me he, he's a college-age young man. And he's been in a committed relationship for several years now. They've been moving toward marriage. And, and uh, she started seeing some charges. They share a credit card. And she started seeing some charges. And she said, what are these about? And he, like, totally made up this thing. And it ended up that it was, it was pornography-related things. And, I mean, he was deep in the weeds of pornography. Blew up, blew up everything. And th- this isn't even a young man who's necessarily like following Jesus, but his girlfriend who doesn't even necessarily go to church or anything, she's just like, it's over. It like blew up everything. Here, you, you say, why are, you, why are you talking about pornography? Because a good chunk of people in this room right now are addicted to pornography. Not just men. Statistics are telling us that women as well are addicted to Pornography. And here's why I'm dwelling on this, because the enemy comes in and he tempts us, and as soon as he lures us, I mean, the hook is in our mouth and he's dragging us, he then turns around and he says, you're so horrible, you're a horrible Christian, God doesn't love you, you can never go to church, you'll never be free of this. He's the one who lures us, and then he's the one who condemns us. And I just want you to know that if you're addicted to pornography, God has answers for you. And you can, you can talk to a trusted Christian friend. You can talk to me or Pastor Aaron. Or you can talk to any of the leaders in our church. And our jaw isn't going to drop. And we're not going to go, oh, you're no longer allowed to be a part of our church. Right? We will love you and we will work. Because it's an issue that Satan wants in the dark and God wants it brought to light. And we can, we can grow. And we can be different. And Paul says, God's will is for you to be holy. You're going to need to stay away from sexual sin. You're going to need to put some things at work to make sure that you're not drawn to it. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to do, but you can stay away from it. I'm way off my notes. By the way, if you want some, if you want some helps out at our little table that has, normally has like the eight and a half by 11 sheets that you follow, we have a little card that was from a series we did earlier this year called Love, Sex, and Loneliness, and we have some resources regarding pornography. And I would encourage you, I'm not asking everybody who struggles with pornography to take one because that'll be like the scarlet letter as you're leaving. Um, but seriously, like if you know somebody, I would just grab one. We have enough of them. Just grab one and stick it in your Bible. You never know when you're going to be ministering to someone who could use those resources. He goes on, he says, then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. I love that. See, the the world tells us you can't control you. The world tells you that you are essentially an animal with cravings and desires, and you might as well just give in to your cravings and desires and just do whatever you feel like doing. And Paul says, no, you're not an animal. 
You're created in the image of God. God is holy, and he has called you to be holy. And you don't have to be a slave to your cravings. You can control your own body and live in holiness and honor. I would submit to you, you're probably not going to be able to do that all by yourself in certain issues. You're probably going to need some help. This is why AA is such a great program, because it's people who recognize, I I can't do this on my own. I need God, and so... They come together in community. Community is important. He says, uh, then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. He goes on in verse 6, he says, never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us. He's reiterating this. He wants you to get it. Verse 7, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying Kendi Chant or the Apostle Paul or the Assemblies of God or Journey Church. Anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Not just his spirit, his Holy Spirit. Because God loves you, he calls you to holiness. The lie is that holiness is boring and restrictive. Man, I'm so far out of time. I don't know, should we just save this for next week? Um, uh, we, have, we have an illustration that uh, you'll just have to come back next week. We'll, we'll do this next week. Here, here's, what, here's what I want you to get. The lie is that holiness is boring and restricted. The truth is that holiness is joy and free. You know, let's, you got, if you need to go, you're going to be dismissed to go. Hey, Tom Davies, would you come up for a second? So here's what I want to, the lie is that holiness is boring and restrictive, right? That's always a lie. Holiness, man, and so, but here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is that sin is actually the thing that's restrictive. So Tom, I asked him ahead of time, he gave me permission. Tom is going to represent someone who, who has been enticed by sin. Okay, that's not who Tom actually is, but he's, he's playing a role for you. And, and what you'll notice is we're putting on, sin at first is attractive, or we wouldn't do it. It's enticing, or we wouldn't be tempted by it, Right? But so, so at first, we're putting these weights and is that, I mean, you can handle that, right? Yeah. I mean, you could probably go through your day and what, what is it, three pounds? Is that what we're putting on? Sure. <laughs> Aaron's like, I don't have a clue. But it, it, sin is, a, it starts, listen, sin starts with small compromises, right? But it leads to, it leads to thoughts, that, thoughts like entitlement. I deserve this. I've worked all day. I deserve to be happy. I made this money. I deserve to spend it however I want. My wife doesn't need to know. Like I des- Entitlement is I just, my needs supersede anybody else's needs. It leads to deceit. And so I begin hiding things. I begin deleting things from my, my phone. I begin lying to people, trying to cover up things, right? It leads to arrogance. The arrogance is I can handle this all on my own. Are we going to put any more weights on them? Or, oh, okay. Yeah, keep, keep putting them on. I'm just going to keep talking. And, and so, so at, and at, some, like at first, you're like, oh, I can handle this. I can do this, right? So what, 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 so, uh, Do we have eight pounds now? These are five pounds here. So, you know, you start with three pounds, and that's manageable. You start putting on another five pounds, and we got some eight pounds in there. And we, we just keep strapping. And at some point, what begins to happen is Thomas begins to be restricted, 
At first, it seemed like, man, this is the way to live. Everybody else is doing this. This is enjoyable. I got a rush. The dopamine was going. I was at a party, and they were doing this stuff, and I, you know, everybody else is doing it. It looks like they're okay, and I start doing it. I, 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 money, right? I mean, it's my money. I'm just going to spend it however I want. It doesn't matter about my family and how they're going through things. I want this, and so I'm going to buy this. And sin just, oh gosh. <laughs> how are we doing now? I mean, yeah, for a little while, right? Like, you probably don't want to wear this until lunch today. Like, no. it's gonna, when you're eating your lunch, it's going to be hard to yeah. get the spoon up to your mouth, right? You know, how about, how about, uh, how about to help you out, how about we have you sit down? So, so yeah, just go ahead. So, so now, there was mobility, but the further that you get in sin, because remember, the lie is that holiness is restrictive. The further that I get in sin, the more that sin actually bears out to be restrictive, right? It immobilizes you. It holds you in one place. It forces you to one place. And this is who you are. It, in fact, sin, <laughs> how are we doing there? It, oh, that's all right. That's because of his massive abdominal muscles, I'm sure. <laughs> Help him out. I'll hold this. You probably can't because of this weights on your arms now. Once we get it going, there we go. All right. So, so sin... <laughs> Aaron's been waiting to do this. What happens, sin begins to immobilize you. Like it starts with, it's manageable, I can do this. We doing all right here? Oh, okay, all right. And, 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 and what happens in the process is now Thomas becomes more, I mean, we could just do this to the nth degree, right? I mean, we could do it to the point where you can't even see him anymore. But sin, <laughs> no. But if we took us far enough, like what happens is before long, sin then begins to isolate you. The people around you, they don't really care about you. Is what the lie in your mind, right? I don't need them. And so you begin to walk away from healthy relationships. You don't go to church anymore because they don't understand and they're just judgy and they're all hypocrites. And it causes separation from others and ultimately it causes separation from God. And it leads to shame and condemnation. See, the lie is that holiness is boring and restrictive. The truth is that holiness is joy and freedom. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, how little people know who think that holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it is irresistible. I love that. Aaron's going to close this out. He has a few things he wanted to share. Thanks, man, for being our volunteer, a little guinea pig. Um, but like Pastor Ken was saying, uh, talking about being weighted and being restricted, um, and as we were discussing, you know, the, the sermon and how this, like, played out and how this visual is, for me, it was something that really resonated because in, in my life, there was this time where I felt that weight, I felt that isolation, I felt that restriction, and... and uh, just seeing this and realizing how this can be a heaviness in our hearts and in our souls. And in my own life, it felt like, it was almost like living in a coffin. It just, it didn't make sense, but that's where I was and that's where I felt stuck. That's where I felt buried. That's where I felt uh, confined. And, and where, where Jesus made a difference was, was at the altar. And, and there was, there I, for me, it was in that moment, it was a, it was a broken heart, a broken spirit, and 
and a insatiable desire to just be free. You know, I mean, for those of you who maybe have that claustrophobic feeling that to feel like a coffin is closing on you, but yet you're still living, uh, that's where my that's where my spirit, my heart, my life were, and I was far from Christ. And so when I when I arrived at that altar, there was there were things that God healed immediately, and there were things that God brought healing to progressively over time. And He's still been continuing to work on me. <laughs> he's still showing me the things that. Aaron, you missed this. Oh, yes, I did, definitely. But that's, that's, the, that's the God that we serve. And so if you'll stand with me, we want to, we want to have, we want to make room and make time for, for that. And so if this has been something that you're resonating with, if this is something where you're going, hey, maybe it's not, maybe it's not exactly what Pastor Ken mentioned, or maybe it is, but I'm feeling this, this binding, I'm feeling this weight, or I feel like... I'm living in a coffin, and, and I, everything I've tried, I can't get out. I can't do this on my own, and we're not designed to. It's partnership, and the freeing partnership is, is that partnership with Jesus. And so my prayer for you this week, for those of you who I know are in this room who are feeling this and you're wrestling right now, maybe your palms are a little bit sweaty, your mouth's getting a little bit dry. You're nervous because you know you need to come down here and you're not sure if you're brave enough to. I've been already been praying for you all, all this week that you'll be able to take the step. And not because there's this magical essence down here or we extra blessed these carpet squares before we laid them down, but because it is a, is a, an action on the outside that represents something that's going on on the inside. And God meets us where we're at. So I'll, I'm just going to open up these altars. If you want to be here, we want to be here with you. We want to spend time with you. So come now, Jesus, that you would move, that you would open up these altars, that you would move in the hearts, that they would step out right now to receive your healing, to receive your freedom. Jesus, that we would see you at work. We need prayer warriors. If you have been in these situations and you you want to come and, and gather around somebody, this is this is a place where God is going to move. And we're going to see Him at work.
I just pray for us uh, before we dismiss. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. God, I pray there would be a hunger inside of us to be holy. God, that you would put a hunger inside of us. I pray that your Holy Spirit, who is in and with every believer, every follower of Jesus in this room, that when we confront things this week that are not of you, that we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to convict us. Maybe we go to sit down and we start watching something that's just going to take us down the wrong road or, or we engage in a conversation at work that is, that is not a helpful uh, conversation. God, I pray that your spirit would convict us and God, that you would give us the courage in that moment to obey you, to turn it off, to walk away, to walk out of a room or out of a house. God, to do whatever we need to do to obey you Because you have called us. Your will is for us to be holy. May we walk in your holiness. May we walk in your power. And may we walk in the blessing of your holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, next week, we're going to continue this thought of how do we become holy. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. God bless you guys.